Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Gina. Hi, Ioni. Hi, everyone. I'm Gina, the Senior Editor of Polyester. And I'm Ioni, the Founding Editor-in-Chief of Polyester. And this is the Polyester Podcast, a feminist pop culture podcast dissecting the discourse on a weekly basis. Before we start, if you're a fan of this podcast, please make sure to like, rate and subscribe. And if you really love us, you can sign up for a podcast membership. We can join our Discord and get on our Instagram close friends for only about three quid a month. Um, today is an extra special episode. We did an event last week at the Barbican. Podcast members were invited, as were all of our members. So you should join. Side note, anyway. <laughs> um, it was for their Resistors exhibition, which is a lens on gender and ecology. We had three amazing panellists, which will introduce themselves. Rini, Diora and Zara, who was um, moderating the discussion. Zara, some listeners may recognise from our Art Rookie column. And... Yeah, we're not there, but maybe you want a break. Well, we were there, but we're not on the recording. Maybe you will appreciate a break from our voices. And Misha does a surprise cameo as well. Yeah. So here it is. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast IRL. I'm a little ill. So this is what I'm going to sound like. And I think it's kind of chic. So we're going to go with Sounds sexy, actually. Thank you. I'm kind of putting it on as well, but you know. <laughs> um, so, welcome to the exhibition. Like, welcome to our talk. My name is Zara. I'm an art historian, kind of. I'm finishing my dissertation now, so hopefully soon. I'm a journalist. I write about modern and contemporary art and its intersections with gender, social capital, etc. I'm so excited and honored to discuss the show with the artist Rini Matic and journalist Diora. And I. Sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. Diora Shadjanova. That beautiful name. Um, and before we start, I think Misha is going to just say something for us. Hello, I'm Misha. I'm the culture editor for Polyester. And I'm going to be reading a statement from the Barbican about the show that you've all just been to. Because it's very beautiful and we love it. Featuring around 50 international women and gender non-conforming artists, Resistors, A Lens on Gender and Ecology is a new exhibition featuring work from emerging and established artists across photography and film. Works in the exhibition explore women's understanding of our environment and it has often resisted the logic of capitalist economies which places the exploitation of the planet at its centre. 
They're presented alongside works of an activist nature that show how women and other marginalized communities are regularly at the forefront of advocating and caring for the planet. The show is split into six sections that explore a range of themes. The first, in extractive economies slash exploding ecologies, artists explore how to photographically represent extractive economies and the detrimental effects industrial extraction has on communities around the world. Two, the second section, Mutation, takes its name from Francois de Bond's 1974 book Feminism or Death, in which the author seeks out a new, less masculine term for revolution, opting for the organic change that mutation suggests. Here, the exhibition presents documentation of women-led resistance movements from the historic struggles of the 1970s and 80s, such as the Greenham Common Women's Peace Camp, the Seneca Women's Encampment for a Future of Peace and Justice, and the Chipko Movement in the Himalayas, to contemporary protests, such as the local resistance movement against the Flint water crisis in Michigan, USA. Three. The next chapter is entitled Earth Maintenance and explores the relationship between the undervalued work of domestic care, historically performed by women, and the similarly undervalued work of ecological stewardship. Among other artists, Miela Laidman Ukeles and Helene Eilon exhibit documentation of performance artworks that attempt to make the visible and the necessary reproductive labour performed in both the public and private sphere. Four. In the first two bays upstairs, Performing Ground seeks to trace a counter-history to representations of the land and the body in post-1960s art history, with women photographers undoing the distinction between human and more than human, seeking communion with, instead of domination of, our natural environment. In doing so, these artists explore how representations of women's body and the land have always been acts entangled in history, power, an agency. Five, in the penultimate section, the artists exhibiting all consider the interrelated power dynamics of capitalist land ownership and colonialism. As the name suggests, reclaiming the commons, foregrounds the left of the land from public ownership, arguing alongside feminists like Silvia Federici that reinstating the commons is crucial for collective emancipation. Six, the last chapter, Liquid Bodies, looks to contemporary artists that are using water as a heuristic to think through a non-binary approach to both gender and the divisions between humans and the natural world. Nadia Huggins' striking self-portraits depict her becoming one with the coral life that contribute to the oceanic biomes of her Caribbean home, while colonial, mythic and queer histories of water are addressed in Josepha Nishijam's installation that considers black being in the after in the afterlives of Atlantic slavery. Ultimately, Resistors acknowledges that women and other oppressed communities are at the centre of the battleground against the extractive logics of capitalism and the concomitant structure of patriarchy, not only as victims of dispossession, but also as comrades, as protagonists of the resistance. Thank you. Thank you so much, Misha. So, yeah, I was going to do a little survey of the show myself, but no, we don't have to do that anymore. The show is so extensive, and I think it covers so much that, like, it covers, like, it spans temporalities and geographies. So I feel like it's going to be, like, quite difficult to kind of, like, talk about everything. 
I've made the personal decision to like kind of talk more about like the gender and ecology aspect of it, like the cow it both like interlinks as well as like like radical care and labor and how that kind of manifests. Is that cool? Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but before we can before we start, do you want to introduce yourselves and what you do and how like the themes of the show manifest in your practice or reflect in your practice? Rini, do you want to start? Yeah, so my name is Rini Matic. I'm an artist and writer. I think, yeah, I guess like my work spans across like photography and film predominantly, which is probably why I was asked to come on here. Where is Ioni? Where is Ioni? Oh my God. <laughs> I was trying to like side eye her, like what? Um, that's why she's in the back because I can't side eye her this whole time. But yeah, so I think that in terms of in the ways in which my work, I mean, like I'm trying to, trying to, figure this out myself right like I just I've seen the show twice and I think really I'm interested in this idea of care and like we were just saying this kind of desperation to keep something alive that's really something that I think is really prominent in my work and telling stories and I use lots of different things I use the body a lot and dance and movement and language but really it is kind of this archival desperation to love and to care for a thing and yet like want it to be held forever and I think that's how it kind of intersects with this show um because of yeah what we were just saying a little bit about like I don't know this urge to um want something to be saved and figuring out how to save it I think that my practice is like a a slight figuring out of how to save a thing be it me or my friends or like the love that we share for each other um in the queer community yeah but this is I have to say like I'm not the most eco slay queen that's why you're here so I'm in I'm really excited yeah no pressure I'm excited for this conversation because yeah looking at the show is the first honestly the first time that I felt like oh okay I see myself in this as well which is also interesting yeah well thanks for that introduction I've also seen the show twice um I think I had to come back I don't know if anyone else gets this um when I get into an exhibition I get so excited and I spend so long looking at like the first five things and then I get really hungry and then I'm like (laughs) oh no and then I try and like look at more art like nothing's going in so I actually had to leave and then come back another day um but yeah so my name is Diora Shadajanova and I use she they pronouns I'm a journalist um first and foremost but also a writer um I also organized the hot house book club which is um a really lovely book club I organized with my friend Izzy who might be in this audience I don't know um and yeah so it's really nice we've been meeting like every six weeks with friends and reading new books on climate change um and sometimes it's depressing and I'd also you know when introducing myself I'd say like I've been doing a lot of observation in the last year like yeah um I've traveled in Uzbekistan I spent five months there this year and it really opened my eyes into how my work relates to climate change and relates to what's happening already in a lot of countries in the global south I am from Uzbekistan and I moved to the UK when I was 10 so I haven't been back there in 20 years and it was quite like a big shock to see how yeah, like people's materials, realities and, you know, just things like 
some of my family members don't have water for half the day because the water's just dried up because it's been so hot um, and unseasonably so. So it's just like things like that that really, really bring my work into reality. And I guess, yeah, this exhibition was so exciting for me to come to because a lot of my work is centered in climate justice. And um, when I'm thinking of climate justice, I'm not looking at it as just, you know, uh, temperatures rising or, you know, CO2 uh, concentrations getting higher in the atmosphere. I'm looking at all the ways other social justice issues intersect with it and kind of looking at the same root cause. Yeah, I think it was just really exciting. I've also got an art history background. I don't actually remember anything from my degree because I like specialise in medieval architecture. But um, yeah, it, it's just really nice to engage with art uh, in a meaningful way. And yeah, like Rini, I f- felt like a lot of the things I'm thinking about were explored in this exhibition and I'm super excited to talk about them. Yeah, thank you so much. So you've both been to the show twice. I've only been once myself, which is bad. Now I feel like I should go back. But I kind of want to start off with like what your first initial like visceral reactions or responses to the show was. Like, what did you feel when you entered the space? What kind? I also want to ask, and this is something I don't think people ask enough. What did you anticipate going in? Because you probably had a little bit of understanding what the show was going to be, and how did the show kind of like deviate from that, or like surprise you and challenge your preconceived notions? Either of you can start. Yeah, I think like to be honest, like I just never expected to enjoy it because I do think like there's, um, I often find that there's. I feel, yeah, a lot of the time outside of conversations like this. And I do find that a lot of artists that are more well-known, that work with the environment and such, are of maybe a more privileged background than myself. So I kind of am a bit like, a bit. I was a bit eye-rolly. I was like, okay, what's this then? Great title, though. I was like, oh my God, imagine the meeting that they had when they came up with that title. (laughs) Jumping for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, someone got a promotion from having that title. Um, (laughs) But so, yeah, originally I was a bit like, "Uh, what? Which actually I'm quite a lot like that in most exhibitions anyway. I want to be surprised. I'm just just a bit like, oh yeah, what are you going to show me then? What? I know everything already, you know, (laughs) which definitely isn't the case and definitely wasn't the case in this. But then when I slowed myself down, which I did today, I was like, okay you know like I said before like I am I am in this actually and should be actually and like, I think that maybe there's something that goes on in the reason as to why someone like me who's like a working class black queer person would think that actually like that isn't a space that I am like a dialogue or a narrative that I am welcome in you know I think that there's obviously something going on there which I'm sure you'll tell me about Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lack of intersectionality in, like, a lot of climate spaces, absolutely. But, yeah, it's interesting what you say about the the title. It took me, like, a while to figure it out. I was like, re-sisters, re-sisters. And when I got home, I was like, oh, my God, it's resistors. Mic drop. Yeah, I I got it a little bit later on. (laughs) But I think for me... um, yeah, I didn't really know what to anticipate because I feel like in my line of work, I've done quite a lot of reporting on how gender-based violence and um, sexism is kind of related to uh, the climate crisis. And we can talk about that a little bit more in detail later. But So I, I knew that there is, you know, like an actual link there, but I didn't know what to expect. And I think the main takeaway for me was 
this idea of sort of removing that binary between the people and nature. And I think that was really, really prominent in this exhibition and kind of going away with the idea that, you know, people are nature, we are nature. And it brings me to this quote that's been kind of swirling around my head for the last couple of months. I read a Tori Choi's book, It's Not Just You, which is, focuses on mental health um, and the climate crisis. And she writes in the book, We Are Nature Defending Itself. And I, I think that's such an interesting quote. And when I look at a lot of this art, I think this is, you know, the resistance, the art that's being created that resists the climate crisis is, you know, nature too, right? So, and I, and I think you when you come into the exhibition, you know, you, you see the We Won't Play Nature to Your Culture piece by Barbara Kruger. And I think it's this refusal to see the world through binaries and dualisms that seek to subjugate and control, and historically they have done. Um, and it poses a question of why these dualisms exist in the first place. So I just wanted to touch on some of the art that I felt like really kind of captured that for me. So I really loved Fina Morales's work, uh, where she covers herself in straw, you know, the photographer. Is it that? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Actually, yeah the, yeah, the the art on your screens. And yeah, I just really love this idea of like, you know, immersion in... In, in the in the straw and it, it reminded me of like you know that feeling you get when you immerse yourself in water or one time um, well, a, a few times I've swum in the Dead Sea because my family used to live in Jordan and you can you know cover yourself in mud and I don't know it's just really liberating to be part of that wider whole and I don't know it makes me like think about abandoning individualisms and the act of you know like covering yourself in straw is kind of weird in the most wonderful way and even for the duration of that performance like I don't know it's it's nice to sort of go against society's role for you and for a lot of people that relates to gender and and I was also thinking about uh, Laura Wheeler's nature self-portraits. So um, I think Laura is a queer, uh, large-bodied, working-class Chicana woman who um, there's these wonderful photos of her body in, like, the... the I think it's the Southwest in America um, where she poses as, like, a rock or a tree. Mm. And, you know, at first I was like, wow, like, what an incredible statement, you know, to make as... It, it's, it's, asking questions about who belongs in in this space and who belongs in these lands that have been kind of you know divided up and ruled over but also on second viewing I was like this is actually incredibly queer and joyful and it reminded me of that scene in everything everywhere all at once you know when uh, the protagonist turns into a rock and I just like, I, I remember seeing the film and thinking I really want to be a rock sometimes like I wish I could just just abandon like all the <laughs> shackles of what it is to exist in my body and actually just like be you know like a rock and yeah and I just really really relate it to that work and I loved yeah all the work that kind of made us made me think about how you know, we are part of that wider nature and part of that organic organism. That's so interesting you said that with The Rock because there's this wheeze blood lyric that I always think about, which is like, God, please turn me into a flower, which I just feel like I really think about all the time, like this idea of like, like I want to know what it feels like to not be human, like what the other species feel like. And I also think what you were saying about us trying to, I don't remember if it was, no, I think it was you, about us trying to remember that we're not separate from nature, we're part of it, we're part of like the ecology, we're, we're not separate, we're not like looking at it from a distance that we're all part of it. And we have to kind of 
play our part in protecting it and preserving it. And like we do need to like I think a, a huge thing that the exhibition left on me as well, like a huge imprint was this idea of like we're all like in this together and that's how we're gonna like collective care is how we're gonna get through or like at least help, you know, the the fight against the climate crisis. Uh, and what you were saying, Rainy, as well, like ecofeminism initially was disbanded because it was so essentialist and it kind of ignored the problems of indigenous people or people of color. And now it's kind of it's great to see that a huge institution like the Barbican is reappropriating that term in a beautiful way to incorporate ing- indigeneity, to incorporate like uh, people of color from different like and talk about colonialism and settler colonialism in a very like deep and powerful way um did you have anything to add to that either of you well i think um because i didn't say what i like took away from the exhibition i guess is this um idea of like what is really killing us you know and like the different ways in which we are i guess like I don't know, there was a work, I don't know who the artist was, the film work with, like, the installation, like, the chairs and, like, bits and bobs going on, gorgeous. Go and see it. <laughs> um, yeah, there there was a moment in that film where they're talking about, you know, the death rates of black people in, um, I think, you know, it was about the US and how we obviously look towards police violence a lot but we never talk about how like the larger scale reasons as to why black people are dying and people of color are dying is because of things that come from the environment and I feel like a bit stupid for being like oh shit yeah like fuck obviously but that for me was a big wake-up call in terms of how the collective understanding of what is actually like what we are surviving essentially is all just one big ecosystem, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I think just talk, going back to ecofeminism, mm. it's actually not really a term that I've ever used for myself. Not that I don't agree with the values of ecofeminism in my work, I, I, I do. But I think it's, um, as I mentioned before, I think I just see climate justice as the same fight, you know, for feminism and against gender-based violence. And I think you know, talking about things like racism and colonialism and all the different societal issues that exist today. For me, the climate crisis is kind of this umbrella issue that not only exacerbates all these socio-political issues, you know, such as human rights issues and land rights issues, but they're also, you know, they all have the same root cause, which is capitalism. And, you know, and I think when we think about, how, so how is the climate crisis related to gender issues? And it's because, well, patriarchy is also like a very foundational tool of capitalism. And yeah, and I think just like when you can see in the exhibition, you can see like all the art that's showing the, the, the extraction and the expansion and the theft and the violence that's needed to sustain capitalism because ultimately this limitless growth that, you know, feeds this system and for it to work is unsustainable on a planet with finite resources. And yeah, and I think just explore exploring these parallels of the patriarchy and the use of and having power over power over women or having power over people that have been deemed you know beneath those who have power and then also looking at kind of like the wider scale of the climate crisis and the same issues are repeated when it when you're looking at 
having power over indigenous people and having power over resources. And essentially, it's just, it's just all about, like, the way we need to fix this is for it all to be equal and for it all to be equitable and for it all to be shared. And I think when, you know, obviously this is boiling it down, but I, I think when you just look at the issue straight in the face, you can see how all these issues are related. Yeah, for sure. Another theme I really want to touch on is like how bodies were used throughout the exhibition. So, of course, like the, with the Chipko movement where the women were kind of like protecting the tree. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's like very overtly by like covering them up to like prove basically protect them from being like chopped off or um in maggie murray's photographs of um the anti-nuclear war movement i think um where they were putting themselves in front of like police cars etc or even like in anna mendieta's artworks uh where she uses her body why and i know like really you used the body a lot in your work i remember from i think it was last year at south london gallery i saw the picture of i think it was your back where it was like born british die british and how you reappropriate i don't know if that's the right word or um we use this like far right saying or slogan to kind of talk about your own Britishness and your blackness and how that kind of interplays. Um, so I just want to talk about this idea of like, why do you think bodies and more specifically women and non-binary people's bodies are used politically? And what does that provoke really when you talk about that in like a radical sense? Um, mm. I don't know if that... Um, yeah, I mean, this is something like, especially as someone who images the body that I have to keep like checking myself on, you know, and making sure that because we can't escape the gaze in which that is looking, that I'm doing the best job I possibly can at getting the message across, or at least just, like, paying attention to who's looking and making sure that the audience is also aware that I know that they're looking at me as well. And I think that that's one of the most powerful things about looking, about using the body, because there is this relational element to it so I think that perhaps in terms of this exhibition like the works that have the body in it or that have something that like looks like something that an audience member would recognize is a really important like immediate like 
draw to attention. It makes it personal, you know, and I think that that's something that is really important in terms of this exhibition, especially for me looking. But I think that it's spooky using the body because you're just like, this is the site of so much violence and so much oppression. Um, and you can't escape that. And I think that a lot of work using the body is actually an attempt at escaping that. But whether we can do that or not is is not really up to us. You know, whether we can emancipate ourselves from being looked at in the ways in which we don't want to look, be looked at. I don't know if that's possible, but yeah, like this work I find really interesting because it's kind of about this like invisibility or like wanting to remove the body from uh the image or like I guess go undetected almost as well and I think that what you were saying about coming into nature or immersing oneself in water or mud or whatever there's an element of being undetected and therefore not being surveilled and not being perceived not being perceived yeah, yeah and in a culture of mass surveillance maybe there's that's a way in which we can work I, I don't know now I'm like it's weird because I, I guess saying we can work with nature like suggests that I'm separating the human from that you know so actually the language that we use about it is really interesting but if I was going to say that yeah I guess like us working together with nature maybe there's more possibilities for being outside of capitalism than we think especially in terms of being surveyed uh, I just wanted to come in I, I found what you said really interesting about the body kind of being like uh like almost I, don't, I actually don't know what you what site a site of yeah violence, violence. yeah and I actually was also thinking about land being exactly. a site yeah. of violence and theft and you know um, exploitation yeah. and extraction. And I think you really see that and the vastness of that in Simran Gill's Eyes and Storm series. Like as you come into the exhibition, you see those really like big photographs of like bird's eye view and the I guess the scars that mining has left on the land and how we've shaped this land. And and sometimes it can be really hard to imagine the scale of the climate crisis, but when you see it in such a stark way, you think, wow, like we really have shaped these lands. And um and yeah, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking a lot at the moment about like land as an as a witness and like as a storyteller as well and I think land is always there to tell us a story it's all it's telling a story like on a continuum our job is to connect with it and hear its story but there are obviously so many things that are in the way of us having that relationship having that connection having that conversation with land and yeah and and I I, I liked that Simran's work was called eyes and storms because it's kind of like you know it's like an, an ever watching eye of like you know the land if you were to you know kind of personify it it's 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 there and it and it's 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 what it's seeing this it's it's witnessing what's happening to it and you can't ever really hide that fact yeah that was really interesting okay so let's just talk about this idea of like okay let me try to combine both uh really quickly <laughs> so this idea of like this um radical politics of care is something that really permeated this idea that everyone who present, presented their work at the show like deeply wanted to like immerse themselves in nature, didn't see a binary between them and the like the natural world, so to speak. So I guess to like end off our discussion, what, what do you think people should take away from the show? Something maybe actionable, something that, you know, like obviously like in a gallery space, it's easy to like see it and then see, 
think of it as like separate from our world. But with a show like this, it's really important to think deeper about it and kind of like let it permeate into our lives and the things we do and the actions we take. So is there like anything, maybe a piece that really stuck with you, you think you should, we should think about deeper, that when we go back to the show we can think about or anything of the sort? Well, I think from what we just said about recognizing the similarities between the site in which we inhabit, you know, being bodies or land, um, recognizing that everything, you know, is connected and we are connected to the things that are all around us. I don't know, in my work, I think, like I said in the beginning, this urgency, like I can't, I can't, I think that that's the thing with anyone talking about uh, fighting for something is you just want to grab hold of someone and make them see, you know. Uh, shake the, them. Yeah, like, want to shake them and have that, like, like come on, like have this passion and this, like, you know, understanding of of how deep uh, something is. And I think that there's different elements in this show that are attempting to do that, you know. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. To take away from the show, I would say... I just think, I just think what you said before, basically about like being one in the same, you know, and just like, and I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a bit shit at this because I'm just like, I'm kind of, I just went to see the show again, so I'm, it takes a while to like understand, and I think I'm, because I was coming on the panel, I was like, whoa, actually, actually, or maybe I'm considering some things that I didn't consider before, you know, but yeah, no, nah, I'm just, I don't know, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah, I'm like really glad I got to like do this as well because it kind of forced me to think about the show in a deeper way. And yeah. I'm like, like you, I don't really think about the climate crisis really yeah. because that that's bad and that's yeah. on me. But I don't. It's I think, not part of my like what yeah. I'm interested in academically or professionally. Yeah. But it really did get me to like think about things that I wouldn't have thought about before. I think it's the emotional level, yeah. isn't it? But it's more. It's mostly like it feels a bit gross to say, oh, you need to liken it to <laughs> something that you can sympathize and empathize with in order to care. That's kind of a shit you know thing but that's how we're like programmed unfortunately like the way systems of knowledge work and the way we were taught in school at uni like it's just yeah it's just a bit gross i think that's what i'm thinking about i'm like oh my god you have to like reprogram yeah i feel a bit like whoa I don't know. Do you have any- well, yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, coming to this exhibition is a great way to start deprogramming and like linking all these injustices together. And I think um, I just want to quickly, you know, make a point about care and then talk about what I would say to take away or what I took away. Um, so, yeah, with care, uh, it's very obvious that, you know, we need collective care. Um, and care, yeah, has to come in the form of collective care and not individualised form of self-care that we're now being sold everywhere. And I recently read this book by The Care Collective. It's a tiny little orange book called The Care Manifesto, which I really recommend. And um, they say in there that neoliberal capitalism is uncaring by design. And I really kind of like this idea that it's, it's not this like accident, right? And they talk about the four features of caring communities, um, which are mutual support, public space, shared resources, and local democracy. And one piece that I really, really liked from this exhibition actually was the, I'm going to butcher this name, um, I think it's Miel Merle Laderman UK. Ukelis. 
Um, the Touch Sanitization Project, where the artist basically goes around and shakes over 8,500 New York uh, sanitation employees. Shakes their hands, sorry. <laughs> she doesn't shake them. She shakes their hands. Um, <laughs> Wait, be... you, well, what did you think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I, thought, I thought it was, firstly, like a really, really great piece yeah. of art. Um, and it sort of made me think about, you know, contrary to how it likes to present itself, you know, think vast, kind of glass, gated, grey and extremely clean, you know, talking about capitalism, contrary to how it likes to present itself um, within architecture and urban design um, and, you know, sort of like very manicured, right? When I think about capitalism, I think like girl boss, I think the wing, I think, you know, just like glossier, just like <laughs> very, very, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I use glossier. <laughs> sorry if there's any representatives in here. Um, no, but like just basically just like really polished and, and you know, it, it, but in reality, like <coughs> this um, economic system leaves behind a lot of waste. And the question is, who has to clean that waste and why? And a lot of the time, it is marginalised people. It is often women of colour. It's often people who are invisibilised in society and often are undocumented. And, you know, and think of how much waste you see each day in cities and the seas and natural landscapes you think are remote enough to, like, not even have waste in them but you know you, you'll see like a crisp bucket or something like that or a, or a vape so yeah I just want to I want to say um Francois Verges is a fantastic um writer who writes about waste race and gender and capitalism in a decolonial feminism and um she uses the terms cleaning and care interchangeably and she argues that without the work of marginalized people um yeah, who, who are often invisible, neoliberal and patriarchal capitalism wouldn't really function. And yeah, and I think, I think what I would take away from this exhibition, if there is one thing to take away, and I, th I think there's so many, um, is just, you know, if all it is today that like you, you go into the exhibition and, and just something links, right? Like one issue that you didn't think was linked to another links, like that's the whole, that, that's, that's wonderful, that's great. And, and I feel like in the work that I've been doing as a climate journalist and I've realised that this actually, this issue does unite all these other issues I've cared about. And it's not like, oh, I'm just going to put all my time into this like one specific issue or this other specific issue. Sorry, I forgot about the microphone. It is about just seeing all of this work as part of that collective work, part of that collective care. And just, yeah, if you see things within a collective, it becomes a lot easier and a lot less, you know, weight on your shoulders. Perfect. I think we have quite time for some questions from the audience now. Um, if anyone has one, Michelle probably like give you a mic. Hi, my name's Afini, and I just had a question kind of directed at all of you, but it's like an open question, so don't worry if you don't have like a direct answer. But do you think that like the view of like general people in society that like there has to be dichotomies or there has to be dualities between people and nature is like a like kind of like a root cause of why there's so much distraction and extraction? Because if generally people just see themselves as people and are separate to nature than like in so many areas of just consumerism or just day-to-day -day life. Do you think that's just like a root cause of a lot of these problems that we're seeing? Sure. Yeah, I, I, thanks for that question. I feel like how I approach it, and this is definitely not necessarily the correct answer, but I definitely see categorization as a tool of oppression, right? Um, th th those oppressions can be different, but 
definitely when it comes to categorizing and creating binaries and creating, um, you know, A or B, like, I, I think that that can be extremely harmful, but I see it more as, like, a tool of oppression, so not necessarily a source. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, for sure. I also feel like what you were saying about, like, the way knowledge is produced, the way, like, economies were constructed, it all kind of was directed towards, like, this idea of, like, like profit or... I don't know, like labor. That's the labor that's like taking care of your house, taking care of like, like the people around you. That that kind of labor isn't. I'm taking care of nature in this context. That kind of labor isn't monetized and profitable. So that's the kind of labor that we shouldn't like indulge in because that's a waste, quote unquote. And I think I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of how like capitalism and colonialism, like that's kind of the bedrock of it. At least a very simplified understanding of it. And I, and also that's one of the reasons why like when like you know like what's happening in the world right now with like settler violence it's they don't really care about the resources because for them it's all about profitability and it kind of destroys land it destroys natural resources so yeah just yeah, i don't know if you have anything to add to that i don't think this works oh it does okay yeah yeah, yeah i think that essentially we are recognizing the error of our ways and that's sure. what this is right? yeah. that's what these conversations yeah. are like recognizing how much damage we have done um in all aspects of life yeah. basically <laughs> um and trying to undo it as much as we can um but that does mean that certain people and certain privileges can get away with I guess not really caring that much because things don't affect them as much as they affect other people so yeah it's like a slow kind of process I don't know I definitely feel it in my own family you know like people who uh lived through the 60s and then very much enjoyed plastic you know, and love <laughs> plastic and what it did. <laughs> and, like, it's just really interesting to see how, even though it's, like, I don't know, it's it's just happened really fucking fast, I guess, but how we're sitting on this stage as people who have profited from that but are, like, eager to not sustain the issues. Yeah, um, I just, like, what, I want to add to that and just say that I think it's really important to ask about, like, what the root cause of these issues is. And I think I'm definitely not an expert on this, but Emma Debiri writes about this in What White People Should Do Next. And she touches about the, essentially, like, the the birth of racism and, and, and colonialism and how that was birthed by capitalism and by the need to extract and expand and accumulate wealth in, you know, the kind of imperial core or obviously there were different empires but yeah and 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 that categorization of people that divide and rule came about as a way to control people from getting together and and being like hang on a minute like we're being treated really fucking badly here let's just unite against this one common enemy and yeah have collective power and that use of categorization was very much used to create the racial code to basically divide working class people who wanted to fight against oppression so i think like just looking there is like a great start is what i would say thank you so much uh anyone else hello hello <laughs> um i have a question more of like the kind of gender side i was kind of thinking as you were talking about how historically women and non-binary people have often 
seen have been associated with nature in a really negative sense whether that's women being sort of reduced to their nature or people who identify as non-binary being told that they are somehow against what's natural and I just sort of wondered if you could speak to how the exhibition maybe kind of resists that idea or pushes against this kind of negative association of women and non-binary people with nature and how it can actually force us to see nature as something that isn't fixed and that is maybe more ephemeral or essentially non-binary, if that's a bit of an oxymoron, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, I talk a lot about this this limitlessness. You mentioned limitlessness as well, but you were mostly referring to, like, capitalism and how it, like, grows and grows and grows, but actually, you know, nature does as well as do we. And I think that in terms of, yeah, this exhibition, it just... It just kind of makes that a fact you know it's like this is the truth we are not fixed and we do continue to grow in many different ways um and actually to be fixed is to really reduce something and stop it from going and that is so counterintuitive i don't in terms of definitions like you were saying about um you know emma's work is incredible in terms of that but yeah i think that myself as a non-binary person and as a mixed race person as well like I talk a lot about this idea that of a feeling stuck almost you know or like actually no that's a lie I don't feel stuck because I'm not but I am told to remain in my place a lot of the time and I think that there's a lot of what I mean literally all of the work in this exhibition goes against that right because it's being told it's about saying it's it's almost about like unearthing a truth or many truths and I think that that's what being non-binary is it isn't a fixed third gender it is the multiple truths um and I think that every work in this exhibition does a job for I don't know making that obvious that lots of different things can exist in lots of different times and, and we can all exist in this timeline together and on multiple multiple timelines too yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think, like, I've been thinking a lot about my own, you know, uh, relationship to gender and kind of wanting to exist beyond the, the binary, but also thinking about, you know, we're, we're told at school that, like, um, you know, when you learn about the animal kingdom <laughs> and, you know, oh, like, there are lions and they're alphas and there is, like, I don't know what the, the women are called, but... Yeah not the alphas and essentially that binary is presented like all the way throughout like what we have learned about the natural world but I think once you realize that we as humans have projected <laughs> those binaries onto the natural world and actually the natural world is a lot more queer than it has been presented for such a long time and in educational space as well and there's a great collective who are by by the way, uh, look into this. And I think they're called the Queer Ecology Institute, which I really would recommend checking out their work. They do fab work. But yeah, and I think, um, I actually don't remember where I was going with this, but just been thinking a lot about the fact that nature's queer. I think that that's yeah. interesting, though, because you spoke, like, that's as, as, like, we have assumed that nature's, ha it has a voice for sure, but we have, like, a very uh, Western, like, colonial, we've given it that voice you know and that's what we have then assumed that role of and that's just not true yeah absolutely and and I'm sure there are so many different like cultures around the world who uh have not viewed nature in that Definitely. way as well and have not 
uh, position themselves as above uh, like other animals or other species in yeah in in our environment mm -hmm. for sure. Perfect. One more question. Do we have time? No. Okay. Sorry, we don't have time. But thank you all for coming again. Thank you so much, Rini and Dora. Had such a lovely chat. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, it's such a good conversation. I thought it was it really like engaged me in ways I wasn't expecting. Like I think what Rini said about like you go into an exhibition sometimes thinking like you already know everything about a topic and then it's really exciting when going into it changes your mind and that's kind of like how I felt about the podcast episode as well. Like listening to the conversation definitely put like new ideas in my head, not just about the exhibition itself, but about how ecology relates to feminism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. So thank you to all of the panellists and to the Barbican for having us. Um, it was very fun. And thank you to Olivia for editing this episode. We will be back next week as per usual. Yes, thank you all so much. I think the exhibition's running until the 14th of January, so make sure you head down and go have a look at it. Go have a little look-see. Bye! Bye! Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.